0: The Van Sisters Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Van Sisters Podcast. This is Episode Twelve. I'm Alicia, and I'm Emma, and today we've got the magnificent Mel Charlesworth. Mel, welcome.
0: Hello. Hello. So good Pleased to see you again. Introduce yourself. Tell us. I mean, you're one of our one of our very good friends and fellow coach from <laughs> from many years now. <laughs> Tell yes. us a little bit about what you do and what we're going to talk about today. We're very excited.
2: Okay, so I'm Mel and my business is Coach Mel uh, because, you know, I love a, a innovative domain name. Um, and so I'm a mindset coach. I specialise in helping women on the back end of shitty relationships get their mojo back um, with a particular specialisation in narcissists. Ask me how I know. Um,
0: <laughs> so, how do you know? <laughs> yeah so what is I his want name to call...
1: Nick? can I ask is his name Nick
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're all called Nick they are all called Nick
1: <laughs> and all narcissists no. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: so what what we're going to talk about today is how you can go back to dating and not take your baggage from your previous relationship into your new relationships and how to recognize what's your baggage and what's their baggage and how to get over it and all Whose that
1: baggages where yeah yes
0: that's right like uh, and you know, like, this this is such a great topic though, well, because um so many people that have been listening like we're, we're talking about dating in your 40s if you haven't got to your 40s and have no baggage i reckon that's a red flag in itself right just are you
1: over the <laughs> limit can you carry your
0: baggage on? how heavy is the baggage is it yeah, is it oversized? Are we checking in oversized baggage? Are you paying yeah, extra for your baggage? I'm I'm <laughs> carting
2: around a shipping container.
0: <laughs> I think I was just are. thinking like
1: an extra few kilos, Mel.
2: Not oh, like no, a shipping
0: container. No, no. no I can move in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so baggage, we're on it. Okay, let's let's discuss, let's unpack this baggage. <laughs> let's unpack
2: the bags. Unpack the bags. <laughs> so <laughs> So I think um, one of the most important things, and I've talked to you girls about this before, you know, Alicia and I have done a a session on this, is knowing exactly what it is that you want when you're dating and being really specific and writing the list because, you know, and I think you've talked about this on one of your previous episodes, but we do know that the universe will send you what you almost want. Yes. um, (laughs) Which I think is a test. Yes. And, you know, they'll... You know, they'll send you, you'll write a list, you write the list of what you want. And and the thing is when you're first, you know, to use your phrase, coming out of the bunker, yes. you you often think you know what you want and then mm-hmm. the universe presents that to you and you go, oh, actually, that's not what I want at
1: we're all. We are having this conversation the other day. Emma and I were saying what we think we want and what we actually need are probably two very different things.
2: Yeah, Which absolutely, is, absolutely.
1: Learning to recognise that is anyway. Continue. Yeah. I like well, to I think you
0: know.
2: <laughs> I, no. please do. Please do. I think there's, and I and I think that's a process you kind of need to go through as well, because it's only in experiencing the things that you don't want that you kind of go, oh, actually, no, I don't want that. And you like you, so you can write your list, and if it's not specific enough. The universe will present that to you. And then, you know, I had a experience. Then you go back
1: to the list and go, oh, hang on. Oh, so now out. I've got to, I've add, to add things to
2: the list. So, you know, I, I dated a guy, let's call him Nick, Um, and he was, you know, he was everything that I'd written on my list. You know, he was tall, he was kind, he was funny, you know, he had lots of friends, you know, all the things that I thought was important. Um, But he was a starving artist and he had this whole starving artist vibe about him, which was sexy for about five minutes. (laughs) And and like you two know, as lucky bees, we're all about abundance and having an abundance mentality. And it's not until you come up against someone that lives in a poverty mentality that you kind of go oh okay do, do people actually live like that and it's not about wanting them to spend money on you or anything like that it's just the way you see the world it's just you know we tend to see our glasses half full and when you come up against someone whose glass is constantly either half empty or this. needs a wash yeah. you're <laughs> just kind of like oh okay like
1: those cups that people have that are tea stained and they're like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stick, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can because, I just quickly – sorry, go in.
0: I just want to quickly interrupt. Because so, we're on Zoom, we, we're all jumping all over each other again, but that's okay. Um, so Mel just mentioned that we're lucky bees, so I might just quickly – that's how we all met, wasn't it? It was on a, a yeah. online mastermind called Lucky Bitches, which we're all still in. We've been in it for years. So, if anyone's uh, curious about what we when we say we're a lucky bee, we're actually a lucky bitch, but you know, it's, we're just shorten it. But it is all around our money mindset and our abundance. So, we we three and we the other resonate. people that we know. In fact, that's how I met Alicia as well. So, we all all met online. Mm-hmm. But we all see each other physically before um, COVID times. But yeah, I'll just I'll just drop that in there just in case anyone was like, "Well, what's lucky bee? How can I be yeah. a lucky bee too?"
1: Yeah. So Emma mm-hmm. and I often refer to the thriving and surviving. Mm-hmm. So we the same kind of thing. You know, so he was well, oh, he doesn't starting. do that. Well, he's, he's he's you know just surviving. How, he doesn't even have that mental mm-hmm. or the capacity to think that way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, So, you know, so then I had to add, you know, abundance mentality to the list. And then I remember having a conversation and I said, so tell me, what are your goals for the next five years? And he went, "Mm, I don't really set goals.
0: Ooh, and I was like
2: oh who no, no. he doesn't set goals like they don't have to be lofty goals but, yes,
1: you know. just some kind of direction
2: <laughs> yeah just you know I haven't just spent the last 50 years wandering aimlessly through life <laughs> maybe
0: he did maybe well I
1: remember Nick that said he's just happy to wake up in the morning <gasps> oh man like I'm planning 6 to 12 18 months out and so that's a total disconnect
2: Hmm. wow yes yep so I think when you go through that process of coming up against these things that you hadn't thought you needed but when you see it's not there you kind of go oh actually that needs to go on the list so you start getting more and more specific and even you know I know Alicia you've talked about you know what sort of relationship do you have with your ex what sort of relationship do you have with your mother all those kinds of things they're all things that you need to to add to your list so that you know what it is you want but even when you get into a relationship with someone who you know ticks all the boxes and all that kind of thing there's still going to be times when you're still triggered because you've got this shipping container that you're dragging around with
1: you. I'm just having a carry-on luggage. I'm not going with shipping container. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flying jet star and that's all I've got is my carry-on baggage. Uh,
2: well, seven. you know, I I have been known to do, you know, seven weeks in Europe with hand luggage. So <laughs> you know, I travel light normally, but emotionally, you know, there's a bit there. Um but the thing is I know what's in my shipping container. Yes. So, you yeah, know, I know what's there. I've done enough work to know what's there. So I, I tend to know when I'm being triggered, is this person actually triggering me or is this just my stuff that I need to deal with? And I think when you have that level of clarity, mm-hmm. it stops you from reacting. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I read something just the other day that really kind of crystallised it for me and it was that... People are either, everyone you meet is either trying to control you or connect with you.
0: Mm. Oh, I like that. That's a great mm. one.
2: It's a good one, isn't it? I, I just kind of went, oh. And when you when you know that, then because obviously, you know, we don't like to be in a relationship with someone who's trying to control us. And So when you know that, when you know, okay, is so you ask yourself, is this person trying to control me or are they trying to connect with me? And so when you know the person that you're dealing with, like so if you're in a relationship with someone and they say something or do something that makes you kind of, you know, it triggers you and you kind of arc up, you need to kind of stop and pause and go, well, okay, is this person trying to control me or connect with me? Is this is this my stuff or is it their stuff? Because sometimes, like, you know, the partner that I've got now, sometimes he'll say something and I'll kind of go, you know, this is making me feel really uncomfortable, but then I'll stop and I'll think and I'll go, oh, actually, where is this person coming from? Are they coming from a place of love? Are they, you know, are they trying to control me? No. All these kinds of things and I realise that it's, I'm being triggered because of things that have happened to me in the past. So when someone said those words or done that thing mm-hmm. in the past, it's been a bad experience. And so they're not doing it to, to be awful or be horrible. It's my stuff. Mm-hmm. And I so, you know, I find if you kind of stop, is it, what do you say, Emma? Check in with yourself. Check, oh, yourself, check yourself,
0: before you before yourself before you wreck yourself. I was wearing a so, t-shirt <laughs> yesterday. Yes. Yeah, so therefore. So can I actually just before we go yeah. further, Mel, um, I'd just like to kind of uh, unpack the triggering. Like you and I and Leisha, we all use this word triggering. Like mm-hmm. we all get it. I think for people listening, I'd like to just maybe under- give them some version of understanding of what that might look like. So I know for, for me it might be a physical, oh, like I've been, you know, punched in the solar plexus. That could be, uh, that could be a trigger or
1: something. If people know where the solar plexus is, Emma.
0: In the okay. guts. in the guts, <laughs> <laughs> in my third chakra. Okay. Yeah. What color is it? Yellow. <laughs> but triggering will mean different things for different mm. people. So I know for me, it's like that emotional, like <gasps> or or I'll be cranky for no, and I'll go, why am I, why am I cranky? Like, what was that about? So, do you want to just uh, maybe mm. explain that a little bit more? Well, one of the things I do in my coaching
2: is. When we're looking at emotional healing, part of emotional healing is understanding where you feel different emotions in your body. So, like you say, you know, you for you, you feel it in your solar plexus. So dip, people will feel different emotions in different parts of their body, and it's not always the same place. But if you yeah. start to recognise that there's a physical aspect to emotions, we store them in our body, and what happens is. When you are traumatised in some way, you actually, it's like having a scar. So you you you, ha, you actually store a scar of that trauma in your body. And the thing is when you, your brain releases certain chemicals when you do that and when you relive that trauma, so if you remember it or you talk about it or whatever, you actually reactivate that trauma and those chemicals get released again. And your body doesn't actually know the difference. They've proven this physiologically. Your body doesn't know the difference between actual trauma and remembered trauma. So every time you go back to that place, it hurts again until you heal it. So you can heal it and stop it triggering you. And that's a process that I go through with my clients. But when you haven't healed that trauma, different things can take you back to that place and it Takes you back physically, and that. So I
1: think with that, Mel, um, Emma, correct me or help me Uh, with Dr. Joe Dispenza. He talks about that emotional home, and people are uncomfortable in that emotional home, but that's the only home they know, and that's the only emotions that they know. So to break out of that is what you help people do.
2: Mm, Absolutely, yeah. And so it's you know your your body remembers the pain, and little things can
0: take you back there if you haven't dealt with it. In an instant. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, without without even warning, right? Like this can happen at any moment because your body just goes, oh, and you, you just, it, and it, it's weird, isn't it, because you just feel the way you felt when it happened and mm. yet you're not in that moment. It's incredibly weird and fascinating at all the same time. Mm. And even... Um,
2: even things like you can be watching a movie and you can see a scene on a movie mm-hmm. and it can just be a little bit too close to home. Um, I was even watching a I was watching a training video the other day on you know I was learning something about you know Facebook ads or something. It had absolutely nothing to do with emotions or people or anything. And the guy teaching the training course actually told a story to illustrate his point. But his story was about the breakup of his marriage and there was something in his story that triggered me and I just kind of, I found it really difficult to then listen to this person and respect what he had to say because I was actually triggered by, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised she left you kind of thing. (laughs) And, and And I kind of had to stop and check myself and go, oh okay what's this about what am I you know what is it that he said that's just made me do that because I always say emotional healing is like an onion like you you peel off a layer and you fix that one but then something else will come up and it and it is a process that you have to go through and you have to keep kind of you know peeling peeling the onion uh and so Yeah, so I had a a situation, you know, probably about six months ago where my partner said something and it really upset me. Like I didn't let him know at the time that it upset me, but it really upset me and I kind of went away and I thought about it and I thought, well, why am I so upset about this? Because what he had said, there was nothing mean in it or anything like that, but what he said just upset me. And I realised that he was coming from a place of love. He wasn't being critical or anything like that. But what he actually said was something very similar to what something that my abuser used to say to me. And it was about a completely different topic and things like that. but it was just the words mm-hmm. were similar enough that it it triggered an emotional response in me. And so I had to kind of stop and go, okay, well, okay, clearly this is my stuff that I need to deal with. And I need to just remind myself, that these are emotions that I need to heal and and you know go through the process of healing that that particular emotion so that it wouldn't trigger me again because it was just another layer. It was just something that I hadn't experienced and and that sort of thing. So you know if you're if you've like got that endless them, onion layers, isn't it? It because is it no can layer. be you
0: know <laughs> yeah there's no end. You're always going to be working on this stuff, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. But it's and
2: but it does get easier because yeah. you get better at recognizing when it's your stuff. And I think just having that pause is really important. So, a pause between um, the reaction and responding. So, I think the Mel
1: end- Robbins has a thing that, that the five second rule is that her, hers? It says you just yeah. stop five seconds yeah. and process it, and then, you know, then.
2: Yeah. Yeah, cuz if you have that pause you can stop and kind of go okay maybe this is my stuff. I mean sometimes it's their
0: stuff.
1: <laughs> Most of I the time think, it's their stuff.
0: If you I mean what we're talking about here is obviously processing with something that triggers us that is our stuff. But I think for I know for a while when I started working on myself a number of years ago I was in full denial. I was like, no, it's not mine. Like I wasn't taking any responsibility there. And now it's interesting. I I automatically take responsibility first as opposed to blame when sometimes it is their fault or their thing or their their baggage. But it's it's really interesting how um, the taking responsibility of this is a big part of it too, right? Mm, Absolutely, because if you're going to
2: show up, as your best self every day which is what we're always trying to do is just show up as your best self yeah. then you you know you you can't do that if you're not dealing with your stuff as it comes up and if you're going to show up as your best self and your partner is trying to show up as their best self well then it, Imagine. You know, you're, you're less well exactly you're like you're less likely to butt heads yeah. Because you both have a level of understanding where you can go, Well, actually, that's not what I meant. So if this has upset you, then we need to have a chat about this and figure out what it is that's different.
1: And I think this is the brilliance of having, like, you know, next stage relationships is that you are, you know, a lot of people are aware of what went wrong in the last relationship, how to, <laughs> how, and then, like, it's a brilliant opportunity to, to bloody nail a good relationship,
2: yeah, absolutely. Well, right. and if, you, <laughs> if you don't work on this stuff, that's how you end up in the wrong relationship again, or repeating
1: like, those patterns
2: time and oh, time. Yeah, yeah, and I mean sometimes it's it's not so much it's not just repeating the patterns. Sometimes you it's like a pendulum, and you go from one extreme to the other. And it was kind of what I did from my first marriage to my second marriage is. I chose someone in my second marriage that was the exact opposite of the person that I was married to the first time, but he was worse. <laughs> and I didn't realise <laughs> Yeah, it was just like it was all the things he wasn't. And I was like, okay, well, that's, surely that's got to be good because, mm-hmm. you know, I hadn't done the work. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the resources. And, you know, literally jumped out of the frying pan into volcano like it wasn't just a fire (laughs) um so you know if you're not in a good place when you start a new relationship then you know you're going to attract all the wrong things and you're not going to see them you know like you know i remember
1: red flags jumping in front of you waving waving, <laughs> waving at you Alicia
2: <laughs> yeah well my you know mine was driving a red flag and I didn't need to see it <laughs> um
1: I kind of like I really feel like after you know four years out of the bunker on that list I'll just go back to the list but one of the things was don't date someone well, this is on my list because it's not always for everybody but you know don't date someone straight out of the bunker because they do need time to grow. If they're not actively working on themselves, we'll put in a mm. precursor there. If yeah. they're not actively working on themselves, but you know, they now on my list is like, you've got to be out at least a year mm. because then you've had the full range of emotions. The family life has settled. You've found your groove again. And yeah, like I had a couple of um, phone dates and I'm like, you, you you're like 10 weeks out like mm. I just
2: we're not, we're not even on the same part well page at that mm.
1: point.
2: Yeah. Anyway. definitely definitely I mean I, I don't tend to put a strict timeline on it because people do um I've met people who have been out for five years and haven't done the work yeah. and there's no way. obviously doing them. the work is is. Um, and if you do the work and I mean when I when I left I knew but it was going to take a lot of work, but I threw everything at it. You know, I had a whole team. You know, I had coaches, I had therapists, I had hypnotists, I had energy healers, I had you guys, I had everything. So you, you were know, hacking I, it, weren't you? You, you, you hacked, hacked. You I through a lot that of breakup. It at yeah, <laughs> it. yeah. I threw a hell of a lot at it, but but not everyone does that. So yeah, there's there is. I don't think there's a strict timeline, but absolutely, if you haven't done the work, and I think. This is actually one of the joys of dating in your forties or, in my case, fifties, um, because you're not on that biological timeline that you have. Like when I I was almost thirty-five when I uh, left my first husband, and I had one child, but I wanted more, and I was very conscious of my timeline as a you know as being able to have a child, and so. You know, I remember reading something about, you know, you should for men saying they should date older women because they're really grateful. Um oh, and,
0: that, and, that's and terrible. the thing is,
2: I it is terrible, but I've thought about it and I thought when I was in that place, I was so broken that I was just grateful that somebody, you know, said they were interested in me. And, you know, I got love bombed and everything. And I thought, oh great, I've got, you know five good you know producing years left in me you know I've got to get this show on the road kind of thing and like I'm not I'm not the most maternal person in the world and I don't get clucky and all that kind of thing not remotely interested in other people's kids but like I always used to joke that my biological clock was digital because it didn't tick but (laughs) on my on my 29th birthday I remember I woke up And I thought, okay, I want a baby. I want one now. If I'm not pregnant by the end of the day, there's going to be trouble. And it was just instant. It was just this overwhelming urge to have a child. And, you know, I had my first child six weeks before my 30th birthday. So, you know, from deciding I wanted a baby at 29 to having one six weeks before my 30th birthday, you know, I didn't muck around. I was married, but, you know, what I mean. Um so it and it was that same urge it was just like okay I, I need more children I have to have more children and all the rest of it so it was kind of like this pressure on me to get something happening quickly so rather than doing the work and doing the healing I just jumped into a relationship with the first person that showed interest in me and you know
0: 14 <laughs> the years
2: of <laughs> yeah 14 years later, managed to get out so it's the one of the joys of being older in dating is there's no timeline anymore you know you can't rush me i mean (laughs) i I might be dating in a nursing home (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's like you can take that time you can take the time to heal you can take the time to work on yourself and you can also you know if it's not the right relationship you can call it at a day and move on again you know kind and of
1: being thing. comfortable doing that and not just staying in a relationship just to have somebody yeah we have talked about before as well which is like you know this is this is not working and you know, i'm okay to move on
0: mm. so yeah, Mel, what absolutely. about people who are in relationships and they're working on themselves but their partner isn't mm. is that a recipe for disaster i mean we're talking about opening up the lines of communication here what is what's your recommendation oh we've cut this episode at a pivotal question so stay tuned for our next episode 13 where we continue the awesome conversation with coach mel the van sisters podcast